Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Thursday, July the 27th, 2023 at 11.03 a.m. Central Time. Now, today's focus is the joy of silence. Okay, that's not actually today's focus, but ladies and gentlemen, turn up your volume, turn up your volume, move your ear as close to the speaker as possible And listen. Silence. Beautiful silence. For the last few days, all around me, above me, underneath me, to the side of me, was the sounds of roofs being replaced. Okay, it started, uh, see, I believe Monday and Tuesday morning, Monday and Tuesday morning was my roof was being replaced. Now, everyone remembers what, about a month ago, whenever it was, horrible storm came through the area, hell storm lasted for like 20 minutes, destroyed literally everything. So our roof had to be replaced, our back porch had to be repaired, uh, all, well, we still haven't even worried about the car. Uh, yeah, there's just everything was damaged, okay? So they uh, started replacing my roof Monday morning. They got here at 6 a.m., knocked on the door, was like, move your car. (laughs) Okay, we got to get in your driveway. Then they took over the driveway, the yard. They started pounding on the roof. That was Monday. That went all the way to almost, almost, what, 9 p.m., almost 10 p.m. Monday night. They came back early Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. again finished up ours. And as soon as they finished up ours, then they moved everything directly to my neighbor's house. They started work on on that neighbor's house. Of course, all the sounds just as loud, especially considering where, you know, the studio is located. And then after they finished that yesterday, they moved to the other neighbor's house. They worked on that. And then finally, early this morning, all of the, all the trucks drove off. 
all of the equipment and junk all over my yard. My neighbor's yard was finally picked up. They drove off and silence. And I was so happy for that because then I'm like, okay, get to the studio. And I was like, wait, what do I do? I don't know what to do. What do I do? And then I got an email and I'm like, I know what to do. We'll put this together. It'll be informative. It'll be beneficial. And it's perfect for today's focus which is just supposed to give you one thing to focus on, and it can be anything. So what we really are going to do for today's focus, I want you to focus on Bible dictionaries. Bible dictionaries. How many Bible dictionaries do you own? How many Bible uh, dictionaries are in your possession? This is even more important. How many Bible dictionaries are inside your church as of today, July the 27th, 2023? Now, I know my church does things in a radically different way, but we have Bible dictionaries in almost every pew in my church. We have Bible dictionaries there. And at any time during a sermon, Sunday school lesson, I can say, hey, look it up. Everyone grab a Bible dictionary. Let's look it up. And we may work through an entire entry right there during a sermon, right there during Sunday school lesson. I know most people find that bizarre. They find that weird. Many people would say that's not preaching. I look, I, I really, to be honest, I literally don't care what anybody else thinks. I've decided a long time ago that we're going to be a place, our church is going to be a place of learning, a place of study, a place of questioning, a place of struggling. Uh, I, and I know we've been accused of not being a church, being a seminary. We've been accused of everything, but that's okay. We're going to do that. And so I, I challenge, I think every church should be filled with Bible dictionaries because, and I think you should have plenty for your people if they can't afford one. And if anyone in your church can't, afford one, you should be buying people Bible dictionaries. But Bible dictionaries, how many do you have and how frequently do you use them? How frequently do you look up something in a Bible dictionary? Now, personally, I think pretty much anytime you're reading the Bible, you're probably going to find yourself looking at a Bible dictionary. That's what I would think. So what we're going to do is going to talk just, we're going to read a little article about three ways Bible dictionaries improve Bible study. We're going to do that. They give some personal examples. They're not my personal examples, but it's the article that I have here. And then I'm going to tell you how you can get a Bible dictionary for a very, I think a very decent and a very big discounted price. As of today, I'll tell you where to go because I got the email today saying that it was on sale. And I'm like, well, I've got to tell everyone. So how do I form a podcast episode about a Bible dictionary being on sale? Oh, I know what I'll do. We'll just talk about Bible dictionary. So let's do this before we do anything. All right, let's do this. Let's just get this out of the way. Many of you know this because I say it all the time. As a Christian, you need to be reading your Bible on a regular and consistent basis. The reading of the Bible continues to just place the information in your mind. It continues to place the Word of God before your eyes. Now, hopefully some basic things happen, right? The more you read the Bible, the more you are confronted with God's law and God's holiness. 
The more, the more you see that, the more you will understand how far and how, how far and how bad you have fallen short of that standard. See, when you're reading the Bible all the time, you're constantly being confronted with God's character, God's holiness, God's law. And then you're putting that before your eyes and you're going to immediately see how far you fall short. You're going to immediately see your own sin. And hopefully that will break you. Hopefully that will humble you. Hopefully it will do more than just say, well, yeah, I always sin. Hopefully it will so bother you that it will make you flee to the gospel. Flee. Because as you continue to read the Bible, you're going to hear about Jesus who came to save his people from their sins. You're going to hear about him keeping the law. He was tempted in all points yet without sin. And you're going to hear that him being our, our substitutionary sacrifice, dying for us, paying for all of our failure. And then by faith, his righteousness becomes yours. So the more you read, the more you're confronted with the law. Therefore, you see yourself. You should be broken and humble. Then you hear about Christ. You should flee to him and you find peace. You find rest. You find comfort. And you should be so filled with gratitude that then you seek to follow what Christ calls you to follow. You seek to try to live a different life. Do we ever do that perfectly? No. But the more we read, the more we should then be confronted again with our own failures, broken again. It's a continual cycle. So you need to be reading the Bible on a regular and consistent basis. How is your Bible reading? How is your Bible reading? All right. The next thing you need to be doing is you need to be memorizing it. Now, this sometimes I get like on a a Bible memory kick and I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And then I, I, I drop the discipline. I drop the discipline and, and it, and it makes me so mad when I do so, but we need to be memorizing it because hiding God's word inside of us, it's, it's kind of the, it's, it's very key. Sometimes you read about this more in a, uh, in Catholic theology, but it's about, you know, in a sense, helping our conscience, maintaining a conscience forming a good conscience. The the more scripture we have in us, the more it continues to keep our conscience sensitive, the more it helps formulate a good conscience. Hopefully it gets us more in line with God's thinking than our thinking. Hopefully it constantly challenges the, the, the wrong way of thinking and our wrong feelings and desires. It, it obviously it's not going to fix everything because we have a sinful nature, but at least the more word, the more of God's word we get inside of us, the more we have something inside of us to fight the depravity that resides in us. So you need to be memorizing, hiding God's word in your mind, in your heart, reciting it over and over. So you need to be reading it. You need to be memorizing it. And then here's a big one. You need to be studying it. You need to be studying God's word on a regular and consistent basis. Real meaningful study. And this is not study. This is not study being done to prove some point, to try to be better than someone else. This is study because you really want to learn God's word. Look, you have, whenever you're studying the Bible, you need to really ask yourself what your motive is. If your motive is anything other than you just want to learn, you just want to, we always have to ask ourselves, why are we doing things? If we're doing things for any, I mean, we all do things for wrong motives. And one of the reasons we need to read and study the Bible is the Bible is the very thing that will tend, tend to expose your motives. If we will let it, if we will actually be honest with it, because it'll say, come on now. 
Why are you really doing that? Because you love God. Why are you really doing that? Why? 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 What is your real mo? What do you really desire the most? What, what's, what's, what's really going on inside of you? And sometimes you just got to be honest. Your motives are selfish, self-seeking, self-exalting. Your motive is about you. Your motive is not about others. Your motive is not about God. Your motive is not about, your motive is, it's all about you, 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 how you think, how you feel. And, and, and so we got to make sure we're studying the Bible for the right reason, but we need to be studying it on a regular and consistent basis. So we need to be reading. We need to be memorizing. We need to be studying. Now, if you're really, really engaged in study, you're going to do more than just reading. You're going to do more than just a little devotional, right? You're going to be digging in. That means you'll be utilizing Bible study methods, which we've talked about on this podcast now a million times learning those Bible study methods, right? Okay, you've got to utilize those and you'll be utilizing Bible study resources. And one such Bible study resource that you definitely should have, everyone should have, is a good Bible dictionary. Wait, let me let me change that. What you should have are multiple good Bible dictionaries at your fingertips. Now you can get them digitally. You can find them online. I do still think though, maybe with when it comes to reference tools, when it comes to good Bible study resources, I tend to think for those, those reference tools that you're going to look at over and over and over and over, I think you will do better. This is my own personal opinion with physical, uh, with physical books a physical Bible dictionary, a physical Bible atlas, a physical Bible encyclopedia. I really, I just think, I don't know. Now, some of you may be so, you've got good Bible study software and it's easy for you just to click on the Bible dictionary. And I've never been very, I'm not very, I've never been really great with using Bible study software. I've just never found it. I don't know. I've utilized it. I hear all the praises of it, but I still like having a notebook, a pencil, and physical, physical. Now, every other kind of Christian book, I got no problem. You can give me, put it on my Kindle, great. Uh, you know, devotional books, systematic theology, church history. But when it comes to study guides and resource material and, and uh, you know, reference tools, I, will, I want the physical copy. But you need a good Bible dictionary, a good Bible dictionary, all right? So, Let's talk about Bible dictionaries. So, so you need to read it. You need to be memorizing it. You need to study it. There's some other things you need to do with it. But since I've already introduced the Bible, Bible dictionary topic now, well, that's what we're focusing on. So that's where I don't want to go to, to the next one. We'll keep it right here for now because I don't want to, to you know, I should have added the other before this, but that's okay. That's okay. We'll just focus on Bible dictionaries now, right? Once you Once you realize you kind of, you kind of skipped something in your outline. You don't go reinsert it. You just leave it out, okay? So that's what I'm going to do, all right? Here we go. Uh, this comes from an article uh, that was published. I don't even know the date, but it's called Three Ways Bible Dictionaries Improve Bible Study. Again, look around right now. How many Bible dictionaries are close to you? How many? How many? How many? How many? 
How many are in your church? I really mean that. I really, really, I, I know many pastors would disagree with the way we do things, but hey, there's got to be room for some of us to do difference or to do things differently. All right, here we go. You know what a Bible is. This is how the article begins. You also know what a dictionary is, but do you know what a Bible dictionary is or why you should use one? Here are three reasons to use a Bible dictionary based on my own recent study of God's word. All right. Okay. So now here, here's what we're going to do. All right. We're going to look at their own personal examples. I'm not going to add too many of my own personal examples. I may talk about why this is good or why it's bad, mainly just to kind of let you see how you should be using it, how you should be using it. And personally, I think, well, well, well I'm going to add, I think add something to this as well, but here we go. Now, this is their personal example, not mine, right? This is not mine. I'm reading someone else's personal examples. Here we go, all right? They say, now, this is the first reason why they think you should be using a Bible dictionary. Now, they give it they give it a title. I'm going to skip the title, and we'll just read what they have to say here. And I quote, I was reading Psalm 111 the other day and decided to pull open the resource guide. Now, they're using about talking about using electronic Bible study uh, reference tools and using Bible study software. But this would be the idea of uh, that they're going to look something up here, ultimately in a dictionary. So just if when they're going to be describing some other uh, reference and resource tools, let's just wait till we get to the Bible dictionary. Right, here we go. I was reading Psalm 111 the other day and decided to pull open the resource guide. As I was scrolling, I noticed that hallelujah was listed under topics. Now, I know that hallelujah means praise the Lord and the app told me this too. But I was curious if there was any other information on the phrase that I hadn't heard before. When I tapped on hallelujah and opened my Vines complete expository dictionary, I learned something. And they say they learned something hilarious. You see, when I was in high school, I sang in the choir and we always sang songs that incorporated hallelujah. Turns out that according to Vines, a complete expository dictionary. It's a misspelling of hallelujah. All this time, I've been wondering what the difference was. Now, the point they want you to get there is that sometimes the Bible dictionary just leads you to curious, interesting, maybe fun, maybe go, oh, that, you know, kind of maybe just miscellaneous I don't want to say novelty, but just information that you did not know before. So in other words, even just exploring a Bible dictionary may help you find out something that you didn't even know. Wait, hallelujah is a misspelling of hallelujah? I never even knew. I thought that there was a difference, right? So sometimes you just find little things like that. They may be insignificant to the big picture, but the point is, even just looking at little things that you may find, you may not even think is significant you may get information that is helpful. So don't ever hesitate to look something up. I think you should have a Bible dictionary when listening to sermons. And they mention something, hit pause on the sermon and grab the Bible, Bible dictionary and look it up. Sometimes it will just add more information. It may not be any information that makes a huge difference, but it, now don't do that when you're in church. I'm talking when you're listening online, right? Like to a 
pre-recorded message, not a live one. You hit you hit pause and then you go grab the Bible dictionary. Now you always got to be careful because the Bible dictionary can lead you down rabbit trails that you'll never get back to the actual sermon. You'll be like, wait, you'll be you'll be climbing down a hole 15 miles below the earth's surface. You'll be down there going, oh, wait, what was the sermon about? You completely forgot. So sometimes you got to know when to stop yourself. But the Bible dictionary sometimes will lead you to information that you may not even realize you need. You may not even realize that it's there. So I think what I want to take from that first point, they call it learn a little Christian trivia. I don't like that heading. I'm not there to learn Christian trivia. What I'm there, though, is to learn any information about anything related to Bible, doctrine, theology, church history, the Christian life, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, anything, right? So so just any, just don't ever hesitate to look something up. Just don't ever hesitate. No matter how, even if it's just a little curiosity, you're like, hmm, I wonder what that means. That can actually lead you to discovering something, even though it's not life-altering, life-changing. It's a little bit more information. And guess what? The more you know, the more you learn, the more you are protected. All right? I say this all the time. Ignorance is the soil in which deception is planted. Ignorance is the soil in which deception grows. Ignorance is the soil in which you'll get a bumper crop of deception if you are not careful. The more you fill that soil with knowledge and with information and with truth and not wild speculation and conspiracy theories and craziness, then you'll get a crop of truth. You'll grow, you'll harvest a crop of of actual information that will not only benefit you, but will protect you from all of the deception out there. The more you know, the more you are protected, even if it seems minor things. Minor things can go a long way. Minor thing. Now, that's just the difference between hallelujah and hallelujah. Oh, one's just a misspelling of hallelujah. No big deal. But what if someone came along? I'm not saying this would ever happen and say, hallelujah means this and hallelujah means this. And they say this in a sermon and you would like, whatever. Now, by all means, go look it up today. They, they utilize, they got a screenshot of what they looked up here. Um, and then uh, this is, and this is from Vine's Complete Expository Dictionary. Uh, they say, hallelujah, um, praise ye. Um, it occurs as a short doxology and the Psalms, usually at the beginning, uh, Psalm 111, 112, or at the end, Psalm 104, 105, or both, 106, 135, where it is also used in verse 3, uh, 146 to 150 has it both. In the New Testament, it is found in Revelation 19, verse 1, verse 3, verse 4, verse 6, as the keynote in the song of the great multitude in heaven. Hallelujah, without the initial H, is a misspelling. There you go. So see, the Bible dictionary gives you a lot of information. Well, you can look up all the places that it's used. You get a basic meaning of hallelujah, and then you know what hallelujah is. You You may not say, well, none of that's super important. You never know when it. See, that's the thing. The information you gain today, you may not see as important, but you don't know the next sermon you're going to hear. You don't know the next Bible passage you're about to read. You don't know the next Bible. You don't know the next question someone's getting ready to ask you. All right. 
So there you have it. So just it, it's useful and just getting basic information. All right. Now they go on and add another example. Exodus 4 is another passage I was looking at recently. Here, Moses is, is instructed to inform Pharaoh that Israel is Yahweh's firstborn. If Pharaoh does not relinquish the Israelites, God promises to kill the Egyptian ruler's firstborn son. Firstborn is most definitely a key word in this passage. But what is its significance? Now, see, someone realizes my firstborn, Israel's firstborn, God's going to kill Pharaoh's firstborn. Okay, firstborn seems to be a key phrase because it's repeated. All right, so I'm going to stop and I'm going to go look it up. See, the, the key, really the key to Bible study, I, I can't say this, is curiosity. It's a mind that's always, it's, it's a mind that's always asking questions. It's a mind that's always curious. It's always pursuing information. Now, it's a double-edged sword. That is such a strength, right? The curious, those who always have questions make some of the best Bible students, but their weakness can be, they're always asking questions and they're always curious because you got to know when to say, oh, stop, time out, time out. Now my curiosity is leading me away from what I need to be figuring out. My curiosity is now leading me away. What do I need? to? I need to be figuring out what this passage means. I need to be figuring out what God said to the original recipients. I need to know in what ways it may be applicable for me. I need to, but what we have a tendency to do, those of us who have these curious minds who keep asking questions, we will, we will like, we're studying this. And then five hours later, we don't even remember what we are originally said. We, we've got 17 books out, 14 notebooks, 700 commentaries. And we're like, okay, maybe we're not doing that, but we're, we're just there kind of like, I don't even remember what I was studying. Now, that's fun and that's awesome. And hopefully people experience that a lot. But just make sure before you, what you have to sometimes have to do is like, oh, wait, 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 wait. I got all of these questions. You start writing the questions down and say, to pursue at a later time. Let me keep the main thing, the main thing, until after I understand the main thing, then I can go pursue the other things. Does that make sense? So let's see what they did with firstborn. See, but the point is, is they saw it and they started asking questions. What is the significance of this phrase or this word? They go on to say, there is a deep, rich history of God expressing the closeness of his relationship to the Israelites through this term firstborn. That is discoverable through using a Bible dictionary. Vines provides references to many other passages that teach about the cultural view of firstborn children in the Israelite community revealing that it was a coveted position that held many benefits. A firstborn son was considered to be the most loved and to receive the greatest inheritance. So when the Israelites hear that God has called them his firstborn, a lot of emotions are stirred. According to vines being, according to vines, being God's firstborn meant enjoying a privileged position and blessings in comparison to all other nations. In Exodus 4, God is making it known that Israel is his prized child and that no one, not even Pharaoh, can mess with them because in so doing, he was going to lose his 
basically prized child, his firstborn. And then they have a screenshot here of firstborn from Vine's Complete Expository Dictionary. And it says firstborn, uh, the Hebrew word, appears about 122 times in the uh, in biblical Hebrew and in all periods. The word represents the firstborn individual in a family, and they go through and go through all of the different things here. Once again, how do you find that? A Bible dictionary. A Bible dictionary. The more you know about the firstborn, I think you could see there could be some possible benefits from that, right? I mean, a word, the Hebrew is used, what, 122 times, I think Vine said? That means that's a lot of times it's used. The more you know about it, the more you understand the cultural implications, the better prepared you will be to interpret and understand the Bible correctly, and you'll be better prepared and better protected in case someone starts using the firstborn to try to prove some doctrine that may be actually fraudulent. Right? So... We're seeing information. Now, the first one they call learning a little Christian trivia. I'm going to just say the the Bible dictionary can be used to learn just basic information that you may not see as important, but it's gaining knowledge. Secondly, you can see that using a Bible dictionary helps you learn more and more about the cultural and historical context of a word. That's that's how I'm going to, to reference this. And then they have a third example. But it doesn't stop there. Now, they say Vine is searchable. The Bible dictionary is searchable like a normal dictionary. And you can find a word's definition for either the Old or New Testament. By looking up firstborn in the New Testament, I found passage after passage where Jesus is referred to as the firstborn of creation. The most interesting reference I found was when John the Baptist proclaims that he, Jesus, was first of me. He's saying much more than Jesus was born before I was. Instead, he is putting Jesus in the ultimate privileged position with God, receiving the highest blessing because he is not just a son, but the son. All right, that, that's pretty interesting. And they took all of that by using finding the Greek word that's used for firstborn or looking in a Bible dictionary where that outlines the references of firstborn in the New Testament. Because in many Bible dictionaries, it will show you how the word is used in the old and how it will be used in the new. And then you can follow it and have, again, gain all of that information. They go on to say, now, how is... uh now, the important question, how does this apply to our lives? Time and time again, we see God be faith, God, we see God be faithful to his people, the Israelites. Better yet, we see the father praise, glorify, and bless his son. This seems like a pretty exclusive group, but we're invited. When we believe in Christ's atoning work, we receive a warm welcome into this family. We enter this promise into the privileged position with God. If you study the word firstborn across the Old and New Testament, you can learn more about the history of God's blessing, those he calls his own. For thousands and thousands of years, God has been drawing people to himself, and you are one of them. All right. Then they go on to say this. Overall, the main reason to use a Bible dictionary is this. The Bible is not our own. The Bible is not our own. 
The Bible is a compilation of God speaking to his people through his people in a time and culture we weren't around for. When you read the Bible, it is God speaking to a people in a time and culture that you are not, you are not a part of. First, you got to remember it was being spoken to them. So we always have to figure out what it meant to them. And secondly, we got to realize that we can't impose our time and our culture upon it. So although we have been welcomed into the family, we, we must recognize that this family has existed for thousands of years. That takes a big, a bit of help and research to understand it, but it is worth the investment. Now, there's all kinds of Bible dictionaries out there. There are all kinds. There's the Anchor Bible Dictionary, which I think is six volumes. There's the Dictionary of Biblical Imagery. There's the IVP Dictionary, which I believe is eight volumes. There's the Theological Dictionary of the Old and New Testament, which is 26 volumes. There is uh, Mounts' Complete Expository Dictionary of Old and New Testament Words. There are so many, but I mean, some of those dictionaries are 26 volumes. I mean, there's so much information out there. Obviously, you may not be able to buy all of them. Obviously, you may be limited by budget and in space in which to keep all of them unless you get digital copies. That's where sometimes digital copies are beneficial. But today, you can at least get one for a relatively cheap price. If you'll go to theologycentral.net, if you'll go to theologycentral.net today, theologycentral.net, you'll go to the blog section. You will find the Holman Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary, revised and expanded. The Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. Today, you can get the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary for a discounted price. You can check it all out at this link. And if you click the link, you have to hit view more. To view more, then that'll be, it's the link is dictionary cell, dictionary cell. I make sure I spelled that right. Yeah. Dictionary cell. You click on it and there it is. Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. Regular price, $40. Today you can get it for $17.49. You save 56% and it is in stock and it will ship in one to two business days. Now, I am not telling you this so I can get any money because no, we're not, we don't get anything for this. This, this is not worth, we're being sponsored. This is, we're not, we have no financial gain in any of this. This is from lifeway.com. I got the email a little while ago and I thought, you know what? Let me tell everyone about this. Here is some information. For 25 years, the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary has been the go-to Bible reference resource for lay Bible teachers, teachers, pastors, academic courses, and libraries. Those who have used it have praised its comprehensiveness, conciseness, and clarity. Over 6,500 articles are written to equip the reader for greater competence in understanding and interpreting the scripture. Each article is structured to begin with a concise definition following a thorough development of the topic. Some 700 
Full color photos, maps, and reconstructions and charts enrich the experience of those who use the dictionary for personal uh, study, academic work, and preparation for teaching and preaching. Contemporary Bible readers are separated from the original documents by 2,000 to 3,500 years. Bridging the chasm requires linguistic, literary, geographical, historical, and cultural information that Holman Bible Dictionary provides. This third edition of the Bible of the Dictionary makes available up-to-date archaeological information that illuminates the biblical text. You can get it today for $17.49. And once again, uh, it's usually $40. So I would say... Go to TheologyCentral.net immediately, go to the blog section, follow the link. It will take you directly to the page at LifeWay.com, add it to your cart, buy it now. It will be shipped in one to two days, one to two days, all right? It is 1,800 pages 1,800 pages. It is hardcover. And I I think you would uh, hopefully benefit from it. All right. There you go. Today's focus, Bible dictionaries. Do you have them? Do you use them? Now, I've been to people's homes and you'll look on a Bible, on a, on a bookshelf and there's a Bible dictionary. And I'm like, oh, you have that Bible dictionary and I'll reach and pull it off the shelf and in many cases, when I pull it off the shelf, it's obvious the thing has never been used. <laughs> okay. You're like, when was the last time you opened this Bible dictionary? Because I don't, it looks like it's still, I mean, I think it's still in the wrapper. Have you ever used it? Please, you, if you're going to buy a Bible dictionary, it, the Bible dictionary should not be like exercise equipment. It becomes a coat rack. It becomes covered like everyone just sets all their junk on it. No, use it. And if you're not using it, find some Christians that will stand out in front of your church with a table saying, free Bible dictionary, get it now. Because there may be some young Christian out there who's starving for some reference tools who may not have the money to purchase. I remember when I was a teenager, I didn't have the money to buy a lot of the stuff. The church didn't provide me jack. Okay, that just one of those things that still ticks me off because you would think a church would be, oh, I don't understand churches. We spend money on all kinds of just nonsense. I don't want to be taken to Six Flags. I want, can you give me some theology books? Can you get like, you know, I don't want to go to Six Flags. I don't want to go to your, your nonsensical church camp. I don't want a potluck. I don't want a picnic. I don't want a lock-in. I don't want pizza. I don't want hot dogs. I don't want to play tag. I, I, I don't want to play capture the flag. I would like to, I don't know, study. Okay. So yeah, it's just weird that you can spend all your money on all these other things in the church and everybody's like, amen. But you're like, hey, can we put some reference tools into the hands of Christians. But I don't think a lot of Christians really want the reference tools, honestly. I don't think they, they don't want them or they don't use them. Like, I don't know how you can read the Bible and not be looking at a Bible dictionary like a hundred times. I, I don't, I really don't understand because you're always like, wait, okay. Like when you read, you have to stop. At, when you read your Bible, you have to stop and ask yourself, okay, do you really know who that person is? Do you really know where that place is located? Do you really know the significance? And if there's anything you don't even know, if there's something that you have to say, I don't really know that, then you grab a Bible dictionary. 
So today, you can get the Hallman Illustrated Bible Dictionary for $17.49. Typically, it's $40. Now, you may say, oh, I can find a cheaper one somewhere else. That Please, by all means. You don't have to go to Lifeway.com. You don't have to. You can probably find used ones all over the place for probably, well, when we bought our Bible dictionaries, we bought a lot of used ones for our church because there, because there was all kinds of places that were like selling them for $4, $5. And you're like, whoa. Uh, and we bought a lot of them new, but you know, whenever we could find them. And most of them arrived in relatively good condition because again, I think many Christians buy Bible dictionaries and they never use them. I, I, I just don't understand that. We don't. So the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary, 1,800 pages of information. Can you imagine if you knew all 1,800 pages of information? I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if, if Christians knew more, we would be divided less. I don't know. I don't know. Or do you think if we knew more, we, we'd be divided more? That's something else you can focus on today. Theologycentral.net blog section buy the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. If you buy it, let me know. And then I would love to see, once you get it, you can send me a picture of it, right? And you can tell me the first thing you read in the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. I'm going to buy, I think I'm going to buy two copies today for the church. I think I'm going to buy, I'd like to buy about 10 copies for the church, but you know, a little small church in the middle of nowhere, got to have money to do so. But but, but we'll, we're going to buy a couple because I think it's a good price. I think it's a good price. So get yours today. Right? right. If you need any help in using a Bible dictionary, and I mean this, if you're out there and you can't get one, you can't afford $17.49 today, email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I'll be more than happy to get you one before we get one for our church or before I get one for me or for anybody else. All right. So, yeah, I'll put, you know, we want to help people before we help ourselves. Right. It's all what that's what this is all about. Right trying to help people. That's what this is all about. That's, that's what I'm trying to do, right? It's trying to help people. So, all right. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That turned into 40 minutes. <laughs> it was supposed to be 15. What I was going to do is turn on the microphone today and go, hey guys, there's a cell on the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. Go ahead and check that out today. Thanks for listening to today's focus. But then I thought, that would be a waste of time. So I got to make this somehow valuable. So there you go. All right. And I would challenge you, though. I would challenge you to do this today. Just a little extra for today's focus. If you do have a Bible dictionary in your house today, spend some time studying firstborn. I think I, I really do. That could think that could be beneficial. I really do. I really do. I really do. I really do. All right. I really do. Because, well, we can get into a whole theological issue there. But, yeah, go study that. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Theologycentral.net. Look for the little drop-down menu. There's a lot of stuff going on on the, on the page. Look, blog, first blog entry. You will have to click view more. Because if you don't click view more, the link is not a hyperlink. Once you click view more, the, the link becomes a hyperlink. It'll say dictionary cell. Click on it. Boom. Take you to lifeway.com. Add it to your cart. Boom. Purchase a copy. I think I'm going to try to purchase it. Oh, I'm going to check my email first, and then I'll try to purchase a, a copy or two. All right. Thanks for listening. That is your today's focus for Thursday, July the 27th, 2023. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen.